This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. It's Easter Sunday. Um, yeah, I, there's always, I don't know, maybe some people don't experience it like this, some people experience it like this, but there's some of these holidays, some of these Christian big holidays and festive times that not everybody agrees exactly around, you know, the, you know, should we celebrate Christmas, should we not, what, 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 was Jesus really born in, in, in December or in September, this type of stuff, but there's, Easter is the time when nobody really doubts, like, and then we pick up here in verse 8, they eat of the fruit, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The man and his wife hid them, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, "Where are you?" And he said, "I hear. I heard the sound of you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself." So here, it just seems to me that that it's very normal for God to walk. But it seems like it was a routine for God and Adam and Eve to walk together in the cool of the day. Because I kind of hear the surprise in God's voice in, in, in when he asks Adam, where are you? You know, why, why are you hiding? Why, why haven't you, you know, a normal meeting place at tree number four. Why, why, aren't, we, why aren't you there? This is kind of what I, what I hear God saying. And then Adam responds and he says, I heard you walking and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And God asks him, how did you know you were naked? Did you eat of the free tree of knowledge of good and evil? And their sin entered in because we said, you know what, God, we're not going to trust you. Adam and Eve said, we're not going to tr- fall short. And God keeps inviting them to say, come and be with me. And the ultimate express because we're scared of God. I mean, I would have also been scared. I probably also would have been with the rest of them saying, no, 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 Moses, you go with us. God talking in the thunder, it's too scary for me. It's too, it's too big for me. You go. And then we have the Ten Commandments, which gives us the way to life, because God knows we need, if we're not going to meet with Him, we need guidelines. All this to say that we made in that land. So that they wouldn't have to die, but that the lamb could die for them. And they had to give the pure and the spotless lamb their best, of the, the one of great value they had to give. So that death would pass over them, so that sin, their sins would be forgiven. So this was, this was God's plan, but it was a temporary plan. For God wanted to come and bring redemption completely. So now, if I had to go through the story, like, peace for peace for peace, we would be here until 2089, if we had to go through the whole Bible. So I'm just going to skip from there, skip the whole Old Testament, and we're going to jump into the Gospel of John. Is everybody with me? Go like this and say, shop. Okay. Now everybody's a little bit more awake. Okay. So we have the sacrificial system. Enter Jesus. And this is just so beautiful for me. Um, John 1, verse 29 and 30. The next day, he being John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
John says this of Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me. Because he was before me. You see, no one took Jesus to the cross. No one forced Jesus to the cross. I don't know if you guys ever watched a movie where someone has to go um, to like punishment or torture or execution or something and you see like the two bodyguards, you know, pulling on them and it's just they're trying to fall on the ground and fight with everything that they have to get away from this punishment, right? Because they know what lies ahead of them. They know what's coming, so they want to get out of it. Not Jesus. There's this beautiful scene um, as they're praying, and a whole legion comes. I don't know if that was the correct term, but a whole bunch of sol soldiers come. And Jesus responds, and he's like, did you guys come expecting me to have an army ready to fight against you? No, no, no. I know that this is what must happen. And instead of fighting like Peter did and cutting off one of their ears, Jesus walks with them. He, was, he, he chose the cross for us. So stay with me now. This might confuse some people. But he's not only the lamb because he died on the cross meaning that he was the sacrifice. So Jesus was sinless, he was pure, he was perfect. He was the only one that was fitted and suited to die on the cross for us, right? But he's not only the lamb because he chose the cross, because he died on the cross, so he was the correct sacrifice, but he chose the cross because he is the lamb of God. He chose the cross because he is completely meek and humble before his enemies. He's completely submitted to the Father in the, in the, on the Mount of Olives as he's praying, saying, God, let this cup pass from me, for I know what lies ahead. I know the excruciating pain that lies ahead and the judgment that is happening and, and probably the separation between you and me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he chooses the cross and he goes to the trial before Pilate. And he doesn't open his mouth. He doesn't fight. He doesn't resist. He embraces that which is coming his way. Because he chose the cross because he is the Lamb of God. 2, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. God made, made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And as he went to the cross, he took all our guilt and all our sin and all our shame upon himself. Not just for the year, not just for that moment, not just for that period of time, but eternally. He took upon the guilt the sin, the shame of the world. And for us, we, we might not necessarily, like we, we get it, but we don't always get it. So I'm going to try and use an illustration just to kind of show you what, what Jesus did for us. 
Maybe you've heard these illustrations, the stories. But there's a story of, of a younger brother who, uh, two brothers, older brother and a younger brother. The one is 13, the other one is 18. And the, other, and, and, and the, the younger brother gets involved in, in, in gangs and in the wrong stuff. And as initiation into the gang, he needs to kill someone. And because he's only 13 or 14 years old, he doesn't do a very good job of planning the whole thing. And he kills someone. And the police uh, kind of find the trail and it leads to their house. And he tells his brother that he killed someone and he, he just can't deal with this, this sin, this, this terrible thing that he just committed. And his brother knows that that the older brother knows that the younger brother has his whole life in front of him and that his whole life would be destroyed. And instead he, say, he, he puts his fingerprints on the gun. He dresses in the same clothes, the outfit, the, the colors that his brother was wearing that the eyewitnesses saw. And he says that I will take your place. And this older brother goes to prison for life. He gives his life for his younger brother. Maybe you're in the, in, in the workplace, maybe you're a manager or, or you've been in, in trouble at work. There's this, there's this beautiful story that, that Tim Keller shares. He shares it more in the, in the light of uh, the testimony of, of the church and how Christians should act, but I, but I think it, it displays something beautiful of what Jesus did on the cross. So there's this lady that's new at her job, and she's working hard, but she's kind of just not meeting up to the, to the speed that the people are working at, and she makes a massive mistake in her job. She costs the company a lot of money, and uh, she kind of knows that this is, this is, this is the end, that she's going to, she's going to, she's going to lose her job. And... Uh, the board calls her in to have a meeting with her to discuss this mistake and probably lay her off. And um, her manager is someone of high repute with the people around him. So he has good status with them. He actually, they, they, they uh, appreciate his input, his, his wisdom, his, uh, his, just the way that he is in the company and the, what he brings to the company. And before the whole meeting starts, the manager says, before we say anything, I just want to, I just want to make something clear that um, this lady will keep her job because it wasn't her fault in the mistake. I didn't do my job. Um, I, I wasn't there when she needed me. I was busy. I was doing all these things. Um, this doesn't display the heart of God, but the, the point that I want to make is, as he says, no, no, no. I'm going, to, I'm going to take the blame for, for what this lady did because I, I should have done better. At the end of the day, the lady comes and, and she, her job is saved and she comes into, the, into his office and she asks him, what, what made you do that? Why, why would you do that? I've worked in this industry for long and at every opportunity that any manager gets to just blame shift towards someone who's working under them, they take it and they do it. 
Because it's their job on the line. It's their bonus, their salary on the line. So at any opportunity, they would just throw you under the bus. Why did you take the shot for me? And he shares the gospel with her and he says, because Jesus took the shot for me. And he calls me to do the same for others. This is what Jesus did on the cross for us. Hebrews 9 verse 13 and 14. For if the blood of goats and bulls, remember the sacrificial system and the sprinkling of defiled person with ashes of a heifer, sanctify for the purification of the flesh. If the sacrificial can sanctify and purify our flesh, how much more will the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to, be served, to, to serve the living God? How much more if God, Jesus Christ offered himself said, you know, I have done nothing wrong. I have no sin. I have no blemish, no little verkeerd merkie on my report card at all. I have no reason to take this except for your benefit. Takes on our sin and our guilt so that we can serve God, that we may know Him. This is what Jesus was doing on the cross. He says, because of that sin, that Adam and Eve caused and that we are now born into, that we are separated from God. We cannot get to God because of sin. I'm going to come and I'm going to bridge the gap by giving myself as an eternal sacrifice that whoever believes in me may have eternal life. That we can know God and be with Him. I'm just going to read for us the crucifixion. I think it will be of value to us. Mark 15, verse 24 to 39. Please don't switch off now. This is a story that we, that we know. It's like, it's like the Christmas story. Every December, there are nativity scenes everywhere. There, you know, um, Jesus, the baby in the manger. And we, it just goes over our heads. It just, we forget the depth and the significance of what this means for our lives. And what this tells us about God. So please don't, in your mind, say now, oh, you know, I know what happened. Jesus died on the cross, whoop de doo No, 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 no. Please engage with what the Scriptures have to say. Verse 24. And they crucified Him and divided His garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified Him, and then the, the inscription of the charge against them read, the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right hand and one on his left. And those who passed derided him, wagging their heads, saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Can you just imagine this? Jesus, the Son of God, having done nothing wrong. 
Like just put yourself there. You've done nothing wrong and you have to hang on a cross. And now people are saying, ah, oh, you said you could save yourself. You said you'll save the world. You said you'll destroy and rebuild the temple in three days. Do it. Do it. Come show us. Show us and we'll believe. Right? Not just show us your power. Show us and we'll truly believe that you are the son of God. And Jesus does nothing. For he knows that this is not the way. He knows that, it'll, that that is not what the Father wants and he submits and he just, he just hangs. Taking every accusation, taking every shame, taking every insult towards him. And he just takes it. Verse 33, and when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabbach tani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Just a little side note here that Jesus is just inciting Psalm 22. So go and read Psalm 22 if you want to understand why he said that. And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he's calling to Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said to him, Truly, this man was the Son of God. Jesus hanging on the cross, taking all our guilt, all our same shame, being separated from the Father. For the first time, not being in complete unity with the Father because our sin is thrown on Him, was cast upon Him. He just took it. He took it. Isaiah 53 says it so beautifully, verse 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for your iniquities, for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. The one who did nothing wrong, the one who lived the perfect life was pierced so that our transgressions, the things that we done, did wrong, that our sin would be forgiven. He was crushed for our iniquities, our shortcomings. He received the chastisement and instead of that punishment, we receive peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. So all these words, all these phrases are so familiar. But would you open your heart this morning that the Spirit of God would convict us and let us see what this means, the depth of what this means. So what does this mean for us? And this is, this is really why, like, this, all of this that I was doing now was just a bit of groundwork. It was just laying putting up the stage for what I believe God wants to say to us today. And I'm going to use two pieces of scripture to show you what happens, what now, 
Jesus died on the cross. He took our sin. He took our iniquity. He took our shame and our guilt. We can be reconciled to the Father. What does this mean now? How do we move forward from here? Hebrews 4, 12 to 16. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account, Jesus, the great high priest. We can just leave that, um, the first slide on there from verse 12. The Word of God is living and active, but verse 13, And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account, Jesus, the great high priest. Did you know that God can see everything of your life? Did you know that you cannot hide from God? Your deepest, darkest secrets, your deepest, darkest shames and failures and fears, he sees them. And it's this picture of you standing completely naked. And our first response, if we're completely naked, is to cover up. It's to cover up. How does it make you feel? What is your response when you hear that, that God sees everything? He knows everything. You see, this is the beauty of the cross. That for, and and, and, and I'm, I'm going to share a story and I'm going to get back to it a little bit later again. But I'm going to be completely honest. Okay? I'm, I'm human. No, no figure. <laughs> um, I, I judge people because of their sin. See, when, when I stand here and someone stands there, there's this wall of flesh, sin, failures, insecurities that I see, that I'm aware of. And, and I see it and, and, I, and I respond to this person in a specific way because of the things that I see. And this was a massive revelation to me in my second year when I was driving on a bus up to Bloemfontein, I was journaling and, and I just saw how, or God showed me a picture, a vision in my mind of how he saw me. And he saw me through all my sin. He saw me for who he created me to be. And in my mind, I thought it worked like this, that like, I'm here and God is standing on that block because there's two of these blocks. And there's the sin that is between us. And like a tablet or like a touchscreen computer, like when you slide to the next slide, you know, and the whole screen just goes. It's like a, like a screen full of words that are my sins and my insecurities and my failures. And Jesus just goes and he takes it away. And this is my perception for long. While it is true, what I believe more accurately represents what Jesus did on the cross 
is he says, you know, that thing that happened to you when you were eight years old, that thing that happened to you when you were 10 years old, the stuff that you did here and there, the shame and the guilt, the insecurity, all of these things, I see them and I acknowledge them. And I deal with them. I deal with them. I don't just wipe them away and, and say, you know, let's forget about it. Because it's easy for us to just say, ah, let's, let's forget about it. You know, let's, let's, just, let's just move on, but we don't deal with it. Jesus says, no, no, no. On the cross, I died for every one of those sins and insecurities. Everything that is naked and exposed, I died for it. Verse 14. Since then, because of this picture of being naked and exposed, God seeing everything. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Oh, the good news of the gospel. That we have a high priest that is able to sympathize with us because he was tested and tried in every way as we are. You see, those things that happened to you, he said, I know because I've been tested. And it's this picture of the throne of God. And we, we stand outside and we're naked and exposed and we know that God sees every little bit of it. And we say, we can't go in. I can't go in. I can't show myself to God like this. And Jesus stands in the door and he throws the door open and he says, come in. Because you can't sort yourself out on the outside. You need grace and mercy at the throne of God to deal with these things. Because Jesus died on the cross, he's able to open the door and say, come in. Here it says with confidence in other translations, it says, come boldly to the throne of grace. When last have you approached the throne of grace boldly saying, God, you know what? I have this multi-book album whatever like list that is from here to the end of the stage long list of stuff but i'm coming i'm coming because i need grace and i need mercy in a time of need is this not good news to you that we have a high priest who died on the cross so that we can enter into the throne of grace to receive help one more picture i'm going to start wrapping up now Luke 15, it's a parable, parable of the prodigal son. Prodigal son, the son wants, the younger son wants his inheritance now and basically wishes that his father was dead, offends his father tremendously, but his father says, you know what, take, take your inheritance. And he goes and lives recklessly, he goes and lives and spoils, wastes his money recklessly. And we pick up here where he's at the end of himself, he has no more money no more pride, no more status in society. At verse 15, he says, So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one, sorry, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father says, You're forgiven. He has a robe and a ring and sandals. Go and kill the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate. And in a sense, this is what God did when he, when he sent Jesus to the cross. When Jesus chose the cross for us, he was the father that felt compassion and saw us from a long way off and ran towards us and embraced us. Adam and Eve covered their sin. God sees all our sin and all our nakedness. He sees it all. And he runs to us by sending Jesus to the cross. He runs to us and embraces us because he has compassion on us. And he dresses us with a robe and a ring and sandals. And he celebrates when we come to him. This is the work of the cross. This is the work of the cross. Because God says that, I, he doesn't say, here is standard X, Y, and Z, 1, 2, 3, A, B, C, meet up to this so that you can come to me. He says, no, 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 come to me and be with me. Come to me and be with me, know me. And from that place, live the life that I have designed for you. We cannot earn our way to the Father. It is in the gift of salvation that is bought for us on the cross of Jesus Christ that allows us to come in. Right in the beginning, I said I had this picture of us setting up a coffee stand in front of the cross. It's almost like the, 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 the temple complex where people started doing business in the temple complex. And Jesus walks in and he says, this is not what it was made for. The cross is not made to stare at from a distance. The cross is made that we can enter in. The cross is the door through which we come to be with God. That we can walk with Him in the cool of the day. That we can be healed. That our iniquity can be taken away. If you want to see what God's plan is for us, and we can see it in part now, we can see it in part now and we'll see it fully when Jesus comes back one day. Revelation 22. You can always look at Revelation to see where God is taking us. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And His servants will worship Him. They will see His face. I think the RSV says they will live in full view of His face. And his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Do you want to live in full view of God's face, the creator of the, one, of the earth, our heavenly Father, our good, good Father, in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning, the one who gives every good and perfect gift to us? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. What I want us to see today, firstly, is that God wants to be with us and he wants us to be with him. Secondly, he wants us to live from that place, not to that place. He wants us to come as we are, with all our sins, naked and exposed before him. To be honest, I don't care how uncomfortable that makes you feel. There is good news at the end of it that we have a high priest that is able to sympathize. And he says, you know what? It's fine. Come in. Come in. And he, and he wants us to be with him. And he wants to deal with that stuff. Maybe some of it is discipline, yes. Maybe some of it is healing, yes. Maybe some of it, some of it is deliverance. But he wants us to come and be with him. And then from that place, live our lives. Because there we find our identity. There we find our purpose. There we find our calling. There we find that we have freedom to live this life. Because to be very honest with you, you cannot earn your way into the presence of God. So saying that if I do X, Y, and Z to get into the presence of God, I'm sorry, it's the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13. If you have not love, you can do all these things, but have not love, you have nothing. Do you love God to just come to Him? To just come to Him and let Him make you to what He wants you to be. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.